Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you've heard. For more resources like this, check out trptampa.com. The Lord is so good at strategizing stuff we don't have to. We just kind of like keep saying yes, and then like stuff falls right into place. It's like, man, if we, uh, if we wanted to take credit for that, we'd look really, really smart. But we can't even really take credit for it because stuff just lines up all the time. Like today, I'm starting a new series called Family, the Church, and Kingdom Leadership. It's a leadership series, and today I'm talking about family, which Heather and I, when we talk about the CEC, we're like, well, we're just all aunts and uncles of our nieces and nephews in there. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, it's a family, right? So I love that. I love God's strategy there that this is what we're talking about today. And I just, I'm going to launch right into it because I don't want to waste any time or anything, but... Um, we're really going to answer the question in the next three, three weeks. What is God's design for family, church, and the kingdom leadership? Family leadership, church leadership, kingdom leadership. There's been some comments lately that I'm not going to talk about today. I'll talk about it next week about certain people not leading. That's not true. And I did not plan this series because of that. I'm telling you, God just set this whole thing up. Anyone heard the go home comment? Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll tell you next week. It's okay. We have women leaders around here because that's what the church is designed to do. All right? Let me just help you. Let me help you. Let me help you. Your gender is not a qualification for leadership. It's not. There are obviously different roles. Like my wife had our children. I didn't have our children. My wife had our children. I can't do that. Hello? So there's things she can do that I can't do and things I can do that she can't do. Anything you can, I, you can do, I can do better is a lie. We either set culture or culture sets us, and it's time that the church rose up and showed a better way, a healthy way to do family, a healthy way to be a people, amen? But that means we can't compromise on the design of God, okay? So I'm about to give you an opportunity to step over some offense, maybe, we'll see. All right, it's an opportunity. You can take it if you want to... Move beyond maybe what you've understood traditionally or what you've understood of the scriptures traditionally because, yeah, it's not what you think it is. I'm getting used to this Madonna thing. Anyway, my hair gets in it. It's weird. (laughs) Here's the bottom line. If you hear nothing else, this entire series, hear this. True leadership is servant leadership. True leadership is servant leadership. And we're going to be talking about that in the realm of family, the church, and the kingdom because how many know the church is a family, but you have a family and they're not all in church or at this church, right? Right? How many know that all of the church is in the kingdom, but not all the kingdom requires the church? Let me say it this way. Not everybody's meant to be a pastor or teacher or evangelist. Some are meant to hang drywall, hallelujah, for the kingdom. Hello, are you following me? Not everyone's supposed to go to Tanzania on a mission strip and live there or Guatemala or something. Some people are supposed to just be great moms, and that's kingdom. Are you following me? So all of the church is in the kingdom, but not all the kingdom is in the church. All right. That's just a little overview introduction here. True leadership is servant leadership. I've seen this in my life, okay? My dad was the most amazing servant leader of our family, okay? My mom was very sick my whole life growing up. She was actually on the telephone, one of those things that have a handle and a curly cable, and it attaches to the wall. And the only thing you can do is call people on it. It's weird. 
so weird. Anyway, you can't go very far. You can only go around the corner, you know, the cable. Yeah, anyway, she was on the telephone, one of those curly things, and a lightning rod or a lightning bolt actually hit the telephone line and struck her while she's on the phone and knocked her across the room. Ever since then, she had uh, serious damage in her nervous system. It was like hyperactive nerves. They didn't even have a diagnosis for it, but her, her synapses would just be firing all the time. She'd have chronic migraines, kidney failure four to six times a year, in and out of the hospital, fibromyalgia with no fibromyalgia, like the symptoms without the cause, you know. They prescribed her everything from Botox to cigarettes to 80 milligrams of oxycodone every four hours as of September 2012. That's how many pills she was on with Percocet, Dilaudid, and Fentanyl in a patch. Yep, every day. So my mom was really, really messed up, debilitated, and she got healed. Hallelujah. I'll, I don't have a lot of time to tell you about that, but just so you don't think she's still, she's actually a travel nurse now. She couldn't drive a car before because she'd have seizures. Now she's a travel nurse that pulls a fifth wheel around the United States and heals other people. It's crazy. So that's what God can do. That's what God can do. Amen. So. But I'm telling you this because my dad had to take care of my mom and raise us. I was a, one of four boys in my house. All four boys. Yeah, I know. I just heard the, ooh. I have two. And I'm like, oh, I don't know how you did this. Anyway, and we were pretty wild and crazy. We were boys, you know. And so my dad would wake up every morning. He'd go to bed at 10, wake up at 6. He still does, like clockwork. Go to bed at 10, wake up at 6, get us ready for school, get us to the bus. He would get us, we'd go to school, he'd go to work eight or nine hours a day, come home, we'd already be there, he'd make dinner for us, and then he'd take care of my mom, and he'd have us do chores and things like that. And he would go to the hospital where my mom was, and he would sleep there all night sometimes and wake up in the, the, the next morning, get us to the bus, get us to school, go to work, come home, make dinner, do the dishes, do all the chores that we forgot to do. <laughs> We had a chore chart. Anybody grow up with a chore chart? Yeah, come on, hallelujah, my people. That's what I'm talking about, the chart people. Anyway, it was awesome because you knew exactly what you were supposed to do, but that doesn't mean it happened, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we had the chore chart up there, but then we wouldn't do it. And my dad, with every reason to complain, never did. Not once have I heard my dad complain, ever. My mother was in bed, couldn't be around any type of light, in a dark room for weeks at a time. He would clean, <laughs> she would have seizures, he'd clean her, her face and, and wash her and stuff like that. <laughs> Never once did I hear him complain. I thought it was normal. He showed up to every one of my baseball games. He took me everywhere I asked to go. He was always at, at my church stuff, cheering me on, never complaining. True leadership is servant leadership. True leadership is servant leadership. That's what it looks like. And one of my favorite parts about the chore thing is just, I love my dad. I've had a really great start, and I'm so sorry if you didn't have a good dad. I really am sorry about that. Actually, was talking to someone. I was at a conference in Ohio, and the guy driving me around because he picked me up from the airport, obviously had pain with his dad and everything, and he asked me about my dad, and I literally on the inside went like, oh, I don't want to tell you. It hurt me to have to answer his question about what was your dad like? Because in contrast... My dad is absolutely Jesus compared to his dad because his dad was awful to him and beat him and abused him. And so I, I said, my dad was awesome. And he could see the pain on his face. He said, that's great. And he was hurt. And I'm like, I'm sorry you asked. I don't know. I, what do I do, lie? I don't know. But I'm just telling you that because my dad was that amazing. Still is. He's serving in the CEC right now. 
He's in the nest with all your littles right now. <laughs> it's just, anyway. But he would do our chores for us when we forgot about him. And he would not yell at us. He would just do the chores in front of us. We, I knew, I had this chart. You had a chart? You got a chart? Yeah, you know. You know what's your, your name's on the chart. You know it's yours, right? But somehow you just like, oh, I didn't see all those dishes there. Wow. I didn't smell the garbage in the corner. Oh, my goodness. You know, that's so weird. And my dad would just do the dishes right in front of us, not complain. One second. Say nothing. Just do it. True leadership is servant leadership. Let me show you Matthew 20, 25 through 28. This is in the Passion Translation. This is Jesus giving us a model for what it means to be great, what it means to lead well, right here. And see if this conflicts, because this is an anchor verse, really, for our series here. Matthew 20, 25 through 28. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, called them to his side and said, kings and, throne, and those with great authority in this world rule oppressively over their subjects, like tyrants. But this is not your calling. You will lead by a completely different model. The greatest one among you will live as the one who is called to serve others, because the greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant. For even the Son of Man did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone. And to give his life in exchange for the salvation of many. We're going to be talking about this. Jesus did not come expecting armor bearers. Next week is my anti-armor bearer message. Just get ready. (laughs) Kidding, sort of, not really. Come, you'll see. Anyway. (laughs) He did not come expecting to be served, but to serve. Even to the point of death. Even to the point of becoming not like a human. He was beat to the point of not looking like a human anymore. Like a worm and not a man, Psalms 22 says. That was his point of serving. That's how he served us. Amen? Amen? So we're going to be talking about what that looks like, servant leadership, what that looks like in family, the church, and the kingdom, okay? Good? All right, today, talking about family, though, and it's going to get real, real quick, in case it didn't, whatever. But God's design for family starts with a man and a woman in holy covenant bearing fruit. God's design for family starts with a man and a woman in holy covenant bearing fruit. The very first command of God, the very first thing off of his lips was be fruitful and multiply. The first command that God made to mankind was be fruitful and multiply. So right there is all we need to see for a structure and design of what a healthy family looks like. It's a really good word, Caleb. That is really good. No, I brought my own encouragement. It's good. Listen, there's a lot of opinions of what family should look like out there. There's a lot of opinion of what family can be. Hello? We honor everyone. We empower everyone. We have faith for everyone. doesn't mean we agree with everything people are doing or everything they're saying. Honor is not agreement. Otherwise, Jesus would have never washed Judas' feet. Honor is not agreement. So you're not any less valuable because I think you're wrong, because I don't honor you to the level with which we agree, because that's just self-love. That's me. I love all the me I see in you. That's ridiculous. That's selfishness. I love all the me in there. You're just like me. You think like me. You talk like me. I love you, me. I mean, I, I can't tell. Yeah. No. Everyone on this planet is to die for. But family is two separate genders, because there are only two. Bearing fruit. Yeah. Yeah. Just telling you God's design. 
I'm not mad at you. God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. It doesn't matter what you're doing. <laughs> doesn't matter what you think about that. doesn't matter whether you agree with me or not. It doesn't matter. God thinks you're to die for. But there is a design. There's a strategy. How are we going to obey the first command of God if we're not a man and a woman in holy covenant? Listen, I'm talking about sexual promiscuity in the church. Sleeping around in the church is wrong. Sleeping with the same gender is wrong. Any form of sexual immorality is wrong. And studies show that 85% of the men in church are currently watching porn. So if I did the math right now, it's all wrong. But God thinks you're to die for anyway. God thinks you're amazing. He sees your potential to actually be healthy. He sees your potential for wholeness. He sees your potential for love. And he knows that the path to you being the most loving you ever is holiness. Here's the problem. We've been taught that holiness is the result of striving. No, holiness is something you absorb. Holiness is not an action. It's an atmosphere you absorb. He became to us sanctification. Sanctification is not a process. It's a person. It's Christ in you that's the hope of glory, not you trying to be Christ. You follow me? <laughs> when it comes to family, we need men to lead well. This design has not changed. Be fruitful and multiply. Listen. Listen to Ephesians 5, 15 through 33. This is in the English Standard Version. This is Paul speaking to the church. Say the church. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise. Sounds like a good idea. Let's be wise, right? Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart, with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Pause there for a minute. No, go back, go back, go back, go back, go back. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. I've highlighted that because that is actually the sentence before the wives submit to your husband thing. It's the sentence right before it. I know that your translation has a heading break and it has a little title there. So you stop reading and then start reading that tomorrow. But that's not how Paul wrote it. He starts the whole submission conversation with submit to one another. Uh huh. For everyone on the live stream who didn't hear that, he said, uh-oh. That's right. <laughs> Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. Still true. Even as Christ is the head of the church. Still true. I know that's been abused. It doesn't make it untrue. You take an abused child, the worst thing you can do is neglect them. You need to nurture it, not neglect it. You take an abused concept, the worst thing you can do is neglect it. We need to nurture it, not neglect it. Even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit and everything to their husbands. Come on, ladies, say amen. amen. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Amen. Here's the problem. 
Here's the perversion of the pure version I just read you. We shout submit, we whisper die. I'm just going to let it sit in the room for a second here. Wives submit. Oh, yeah, and husbands die for your wives. No big deal. Real easy to submit to a dead man. That's called Holy Ghost anesthesia right there. It helps the medicine. It doesn't hurt so bad when you laugh it through, you know? (laughs) Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish, in the same way a husband should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one, have you, do you see how much more he has to talk about this? Remember the wives submit thing? Real short. This is a real long conversation. We spent years on the few sentences and ignored. He's still talking about it. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. He's quoting Genesis, right? The mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Listen, your marriage should preach the gospel better than any sermon I ever give. Absolutely, headship, body, nurturing, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. If you can't submit, that you're not, then that means you have no reverence for Christ. You need to take this right on the nose. If you cannot submit, then you have a lack of reverence for Christ. Because this is a mystery. It speaks of Christ in the church. Now, the problem is, submission has been given just so many different definitions, you know been given a lot of things. And let me just pause here for a second. Ladies, if you're in an abusive relationship, get out. I will help you. I don't care. I will help you. I have friends. I've got resources. I will help you today if you need it. Don't leave. Grab me. I'm serious. There is zero justification for abuse and staying in an abusive situation. Zero. 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 Come at me, bro. I don't care. This is the deal. In the curse, in the curse, God said, I'm sorry, in the curse, the curse of the fall. That's what I'm saying. Under the fall, okay? It wasn't actually a curse that God was cursing the people. It was the curse of the fall. It was the result of the fall. When Adam and Eve sinned, certain consequences came in. They died spiritually, right? They died. And another consequence of that was, okay, your desire, wives, your desire is going to be for your husband and he will rule over you. That's what it says. So in the old covenant, in, under the law, because of the fall, husbands rule over wives. But in the new covenant, under grace, because of the risen Adam, husbands don't rule over wives. They give themselves up for wives. Jesus said, you will not lead like a tyrant ruling from the top down. Ruling from the top down. You're to lead by a different model. The original intent of God's heart, which was Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
My dad taught me this. In order to submit, you have to start as equals. Let me prove it to you. Let's see. I picked someone in the first gathering. Uh, let's see. Who, what? Who, who you put? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on up here, buddy. Oh, my gosh, I'm blanking on your name. I know your name. Stephen. Sorry. Come on. This is Stephen. Come on. Give it up for Stephen. Let me ask you something, all you people out there. You're all smart people. If Stephen and I were to have an arm wrestling match right now, can everybody see this? Let's turn a little bit here. You see that? Let's turn this way. Listen, I'm 115 pounds soaking wet, all right? Filled with the Holy Ghost, no doubt, but this is not an equal match. Are you with me? If we start arm wrestling right now, would I have any need to submit to him? Answer the question. Would I need to submit, as in, I, I, like, okay, let's try. Let's arm wrestle real quick. One, two. Come on, one, two, three, go. <laughs> that was real life. I tried. I tried. One more time. One, two, three, go. <laughs> I used my hips, bro. <laughs> Look at your arms. Listen. No, stay here. Stay here. I have, he said, did you try? I'm sorry. It's fine. It's okay. No, don't be sorry. It's exactly what I wanted. Did I just submit to him? Why? Because that was not an equal match. In order to submit, we have to start as equals. It's one party yielding to the other, starting as equal strength, starting at equal strength. Yeah? All right, thank you, Stephen. Yeah. Appreciate you, buddy. Give it up for Stephen. <laughs> said, don't hurt yourself. I'm all right. Listen, I've got other strengths. <laughs> I'm scrappy. All right, I'm quick. <laughs> Here's my point. There was no need for submission from my end. He would have to submit to me. You want to know why? You want to know why the serpent came to the woman? Because he knew who the influencer was. <laughs> the reason the enemy came to Eve to do this whole fall thing was because he knew who had all the power in the situation. He knew who the influencer was. Come on. Now, let me just tell you, we're actually under the sin of Adam, because this is just the problem right here. <laughs> it's all that arm wrestling we did just now. We're under the sin of Adam, not the sin of Eve. Eve was deceived. Adam decided. Eve was tricked, but Adam chose. He was given the, the rules from the beginning. He was supposed to impart them to Eve, and he didn't. He did not lead her. Read Romans 5. Run to the sin of Adam because he didn't lead his wife. He didn't serve her and say, no, 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 we cannot do this. The Lord said, we cannot eat from this tree. Come with me, come. Please, submit to me, please. I know you can do this if you want to, but please don't. Are you following me? You have to start as equals. And the word submission, submission, means to come under the mission. Submission. Submarine, you know, goes under the water. Submission. 
And the mission has to be loving one another as Christ loves the church. Loving one another in that symbiotic relationship. Are you following me? So the mission can't be you don't have a career. The mission can't be you don't have a life. The mission can't be you do everything I tell you to do. The mission has to be mutual love and respect for one another. And then a wife has an opportunity to submit. Are you following me? It's okay. I want to hear the men say it. I'm right about this. The question is, what does it look like to be a servant leader in your family? What does it look like for the men to serve their wives? Come on. My dad did this really well, so I can give you examples, you know? I'm still working on it. <laughs> I am. I'm going to tell you a, a self-deprecating story. I don't know how to I'm gonna tell you a story. Old pastor of mine used to say, confession is good for the soul, but bad for the reputation. That's where I'm at. On live stream and everything. I, I fought it in the first gathering. I'm going to actually I'm gonna do it. Anyway, it's good. My wife is amazing, and she finds all these treasures, and she sends me to pick them up. <laughs> you know, she finds all these amazing things to put in our house. And I'm the one who has the opportunity <laughs> to, to go to this stranger's house, walk in their dark garage, <laughs> have an awkward conversation, and load it into my truck and bring it home. That's my opportunity. That's how I get to serve her. And so it's, I, we got a bunch of new furniture recently, and, and yesterday was like a furniture saga, Okay. I went three different places. I was, we were given a furniture set. It was awful. I mean, awesome. And we were just all day long, you know, working on furniture in the house. It was great. And I was setting up this bed frame and with a friend until like 10 o'clock, you know, thankful for the extra hour. Hallelujah. Amen. And if you know me, my least favorite thing to do in the entire world is move stuff and set up furniture and paint. Oh, mercy. I hate painting. I hate it. Not like this is great, like awesome prophetic art. I'm talking about trim work. My wife is five foot nothing, okay? Five foot zero. She couldn't get to the trim up top if she tried. She had two ladders. She couldn't get there, all right? It's just, so again, I have the opportunity last night to serve my wife. It's been a long day of furniture moving. My back hurts. I'm tired. I do not want to paint this trim, but she wants it done. So, yes, dear. i just telling you, just telling you that I'm in process, too. Like, I'm calling you up to something. I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you up, okay? Seriously, I'm calling you. I'm, I'm stepping into this as well. I'm not telling you my whole life history has done this well. I'm telling you that this is the truth of God's design. Amen? Servant leadership. Husbands, serve your wives for crying out loud. What if the rest of the place was known? Those, they do family really well. All their, all their men serve their families. They don't, you know, that would be hashtag winning if that's, you know what I mean? So anyway, so I'm on a chair last night. It's really dark paint. I'm just in our bathroom. It's green paint, really white ceiling. I'm like, if I just even, like, 
wince and I get the green on the ceiling. It's going to be so obvious. It's like not, you know, those colors kind of blend. No blending at all. It's like stark. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have to go really slow. You know, I don't have the right paintbrush. I'm like, really having a great time. And <laughs> I'm up there, and I get a little bit on the scene. I'm like, you, I, you, I, hate, I, hate, I hate the trim. I hate the print. I hate it. <laughs> it's exactly what I did. And I'm on a chair like the chair's wrong. Like, I hate the, I hate the, I hate the. <laughs> Got my hair in a bun, you know, paint everywhere. And my poor wife's in the other room feeling bad that I'm having such a conniption, you know. She's feeding our newborn, and, and I just get convicted. I'm like, do you know what you're preaching on tomorrow, young man? <laughs> and I'm like, true leadership is servant leadership. <laughs> True leadership is servant leadership. <laughs> That's what was happening with me last night at 11 p.m., okay? I know I'm, that sounds really silly and stuff, but I'm just telling you, this thing takes effort. It's not like flip a switch, all of a sudden you're the best servant leader ever, all right? It takes intentional effort. Around here at the rest of place, I'm going to talk about this next week and the week after maybe. You know, our church, we run, we fight for the bottom. We see who can get the lowest. And I've had to look my leaders in the eye and say, stop it, you don't serve me. I've had to look them in the face and say, stop trying to serve me. That's not your job. You're not even allowed. I serve you. You don't serve me, I serve you. God's design for family, the church, and the kingdom it's not coming in to be served, but coming in to serve. Period. Men, you need to be the most spiritually aware and solid person in your home. I get it. Not everyone has the same home life. Not everyone's even married. But these are principles. Servant leadership is a principle you can take into any realm of your life. All right? Men, step the heck up. Serve the crap out of your wife. Let me give you a little hint, guys. Are you ready? Because I've tried both of these things. I'm, all, I'm, 30, I'm 30 old years is what I like to say. I'm 30 old years. Okay. Yeah. If you have to tell her to submit, you're the one that's doing something wrong. If you have to say, you submit to me, you are doing it wrong. If they just start coming under the mission, asking you what the plan is, falling in line with you, you know you're serving them well. Anyone tried the whole telling someone to submit thing? I've got a Puerto Rican wife. It don't work. (laughs) No worky. The opposite happens. I've got to duck when I shout submit. It's time to duck and cover. Amen? (laughs) Listen, it's time that the men step up into their rightful place as servant leaders of their home. I know there are many who do that. I get that. I'm speaking to a principality here. 
If, if, you're not, if you're doing this, hallelujah, bless the Lord, thank you. Please get more public with it. Please, ex, please become an expression of the gospel for all of us. Quit hiding. You know, mentor another, mentor a young man, something. Get in the game with it, you know, not just doing it. Amen? Because we need it. All right? But I'm telling you, if you're in here or you're online or whatever and you're married or want to be married, learn true leadership. It looks like trim work at 1130 when you just cannot stand to even think of doing that, all right? I'm not tuning my own horn. Obviously, I'm telling you about where I really messed it up, you know? And my, my beautiful wife, she comes in, and she, she heard me. She heard the... She heard it all. And she comes in and looks at it, and there's a little bit on the ceiling. There's, you know, a little bit on the cabinet that I just didn't feel like wiping off for the fifth time because the brush is too big and I can't fit it in there. Sorry, just venting in front of all of you. There's a little bit here, a little bit there. Probably some spots I missed where she walks in and goes, Baby, it looks so good. Thank you. I know you didn't want to do that. And I'm like, <laughs> Here's a beautiful opportunity, Caleb, to give a sermon illustration and miss. There it goes. Swing and a miss. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> True leadership is servant leadership. Amen? Amen? Bill Johnson says it this way, and this is just a great, great quote. He says, we're learning to rule with the heart of a servant and serve with the heart of a king. We're learning to rule with the heart of a servant and serve with the heart of a king. That's what I want to learn. That's what I want to grow in. That's what we need to do. Amen? Amen. Bless you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you've heard. For more resources like this, check out trptampa.com.